Mayor Eric Adams says the influx of illegals has become a heavy burden on New York City, and he wants to ask the federal government for help. A heavy burden. That's the problem with the influx of illegals in New York City. Where has he been, Eric Adams? It's been a heavy burden on Texas and Arizona for all these years. But, hey, he hasn't cared about that. But now that they're his in, in his backyard, and Adams, here's why he's so disingenuous complaining about the illegals, because his sanctuary policies are the magnet that attracted these illegals to New York City in the first place. He pledged to keep New York City sanctuary city as a candidate. That's exactly what he's done. And even if you listen to his words, he says they're a burden. What's his, what's it, what's the solution? We need money. We need more money from the federal government. That's, it, this is not about the money. This is just an excuse because he wants money to cover all the programs. He doesn't mind the illegals being there. What about the gangs? What about the crime, the drugs, the homelessness? But for him, it's just a pretext. We get to get more money. Uh, all right. Meanwhile, a stunning new poll from Quinnipiac. Hispanics are overwhelmingly abandoning Joe Biden. Hispanics despise Joe Biden. A tiny percentage of Hispanic voters actually support Biden. And is it is it is anybody surprised? The Democrats, this has been so ba- so vital for them, having the support of the Hispanics. It's like a given. Of course, the Hispanics are going to support us because Hispanics like welfare. Hispanics like social programs. So, of course, they're going to support Democrats. No, 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 no. Hispanics like to be safe, secure. They don't like their 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 streets to be ridden with crime and drugs and, and criminals and gangs and illegals. So that's why. So listen to this poll. Just 19. This is staggering. Just 19 percent of Hispanics support Joe Biden. Quinnipiac. This is this is a mainstream media poll, a left leading poll. 19% of Hispanics support Joe Biden. That is devastating, a death blow to any Democrat, and it's abysmal. And Hispanics used to be money in the bank. But here's what happens, because, the number one, they're low income, and they're feeling the pain of inflation. Hispanics generally tend to live in poor areas, not have a ton of money. They tend to have these blue-collar jobs. So they're they're struggling, like a, like a lot of Americans, but it, it's hurting them even more than it's hurting the middle class, believe it or not. Number two, more importantly, because where do you think all these illegals, these these millions of illegals that Biden is allowing into the country, where do you think they gravitate? Where do you think they end up? They're not going to these like to Kentucky. OK, they're not going to Louisiana. They're going to Hispanic communities where they speak the language, where they know the culture. So what do you think is happening? The illegals are the ones invading Hispanic communities, Hispanic voters do not want – Democrats think, well, these Hispanics, don't they realize that they also were once illegal, whether it was their parent or their grandparent or whatever, or even them. It doesn't matter. Once they're in the United States, uh, all they want is they want to be safe and secure and they want to keep the other illegals – well, but don't they want the other illegals, the other Mexicans and Guatemalans to come and join them? No, they don't. They want to feel safe. So that that is why right now they don't want you know these illegals bringing along their gangs and their drugs and, and and their crime. So amazing, Democrats are figuring oh the open border policies that's going to attract more Hispanic voters. Yeah, in the long run it will because all these people, their children will be eventually become Democrat voters. But right now the Hispanics are jumping ship. Meanwhile, you cannot make this stuff up. Ocasio Cortez pretended to be handcuffed. She faked being handcuffed and then she was busted. She and Elon Omar, I mean, this is unreal. If you look at the video, Ocasio-Cortez, Elon Omar, they were at some some protest, 
and they were led away by the police. And as they're being led away, the camera's on them. They put their hands behind their back. They're posing as though they have handcuffs behind their back, only they don't. Not only do they they're not, they don't have handcuffs, period. Their, their hands are totally free. In fact, in the video moments later, they're doing fist pumps. They're literally pumping their fist into the air. So, but, but, but you look at the camera and the police are leading them away from this protest and detaining them or whatever they were doing. And they make it as though they're ha- they have handcuffs cuffing their hands behind their back and they're posing for the camera, these disingenuous phonies. These members of the squad. So they were protesting outside the Supreme Court. It was a a pro-abortion protest. Police escorted them away. And as a PR tactic, you can't make it up. One minute, they've got their hands behind their back walking. You know that pose where like your hands are down behind your back and you look like, you know, this criminal, this petty criminal handcuffed. And then the next minute, they're pumping their fists in the air. But that's not the best part or the worst part. I don't know how you look at it. That's not the that's not the. The craziest part is Ocasio, actually defended herself. Ocasio-Cortez, the next day in a tweet, she defended herself claiming, no, I was not faking it all. What happens is when you caught at that point, you move on, okay? When Ocasio at that moment is busted, faking, wearing handcuffs behind her back, you either apologize or you just move on and just ignore it. You lost, okay? It's over. It can only get worse from here. Well, actually, she says... You're, I was do, I was following best practices. She says when you're detained by police, you're supposed to. She actually says, yeah, I'm that, of course I wasn't wearing handcuffs. I was doing what anyone knows you're supposed to do. You're supposed to wear the hand. You're supposed to put your hands behind your back, down behind your back, because that way you show the police that they don't have to be scared of you. I mean, she's a sociopath. Ocasio-Cortez is a sociopath, but she's like, yeah, this is best practice. Is you know, Yeah, you're supposed to put your hand Mind your back. That's the position. That's the, 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 what, what you're advised to do if you're ever in that situation because that way you're not a threat to the cops. She could get somebody killed because, you know, attention all criminals. If you're ever detained by police, do not listen to this advice. I mean, this pitiful, lame excuse, by the way, which we all know is not true. It's phony. But, um, but, but, but that's the last thing you want to do because then the police are worried that you might be grabbing, lunging for a gun. You need to keep your hands up in the air where cops can see them at every 10 or 12-year-old probably is aware. All right. Meanwhile, in Muncie, a, a, four, there was a, this horrific attack, an anti-Semitic attack several days ago. And the, the, all four anti-Semites who c- carried out this attack are now walking the streets free, some out on bail, some out even without bail. Four vicious anti-Semites between ages 17 and 20 were arrested. These thugs were driving around Muncie in a pickup truck shooting a a BB gun at Jews, literally targeting Jews, shooting at them with a BB gun. They were also throwing eggs at Jews, and they were clearly, clearly targeting Jews. It was a hate crime. They were terrorizing the Muncie community, and all four were arrested. Three of them are out on bail, and uh, the fourth, his bail is only $10,000, so I imagine some liberal group is going to get him out if the family doesn't. But here's the story. Three of them were released the same day. One was a $2,000 bail. One was a $10,000 bail. One of them was a 17-year-old, so he's considered a minor. And and, and I bet you they won't even serve time in jail. These literally – these are people. You know what's going to end up happening to them. You know that they're going to be taught that they can get away with it. They're going to be allowed to get away with it. They're going to be released on probation or whatever if if, if there even is a – if they even stand trial. Who knows if they will? Grafton Thomas – who, who who attacked the Shul and Muncie, you know, he, he still hasn't stood trial because they ruled him unfit to stand trial. So 
the, the judges, these woke leftists, this is what happens is they release them either on very – they should be they, – their bail should be set at $150,000 each. Well, isn't that a little bit harsh? No, it's not harsh. They were targeting Jews. This is a hate crime. They were shooting BB guns at people. I mean they were terrorizing a neighborhood. This is not normal. That's not normal behavior. You know, somebody said, oh, they're just, you know, they're just teens who are stupid teenagers having fun. No, stupid teenagers like drag race, you know, or like they shoplift or something like that. I mean they're, they're basically going to be taught a lesson here. You can shoot Jews and get away with it. And then what, what, then what do you think the next step is going to be? And, and by the way, in upstate New York, I'm sure you heard about this, there's this just crazy video of Lee Zeldin, candidate Lee Zeldin, governor candidate and Republican, and he's a congressman, by the way. He was attacked by a man with a knife. This man had like these, this like brass knuckle blade that he attacked Lee Zeldin with. And uh, Lee Zeldin, black belt in martial arts, he actually was able to just catch the man. The, the video is is a stunning video because you see Lee Zeldin grab the man's arm, preventing him from basically stabbing him or slitting him. I mean, it could have been disastrous. I mean, Lee Zeldin could have ended up in really, really bad shape if not for the fact there was really no security for, for whatever reason guarding him, which was strange. This man just got up on stage and just lunged at Zeldin, and Zeldin was able to grab his arm because of his incredible knowledge of martial arts. Meanwhile, that man was released the next morning. That man was released with no bail. Somehow this is called a nonviolent crime. You believe that? It's, it's, it's incomprehensible. It's, in, it, it, it's unconscionable. But uh, that attacker was actually freed from custody the next morning. And now I believe he's been arrested on federal hate crimes. So who knows? Maybe, you know, that, that should be a little bit tougher. So hopefully he will be, um, he'll actually be detained in prison for a few weeks. But who knows? I, you know, nothing would surprise me at this point. But then we wonder why crime is out of control. You literally, a man gets up on stage at a campaign event, wanders over to Lee Zeldin and just literally lunges at him with a blade, could have killed him, clearly, if not for Zeldin's strength and quick reflexes. And then the next morning, this lunatic is roaming the streets, clearly deranged, clearly dangerous, and uh, you have him in custody and you let him walk. And then they wonder, well, why is crime out of control in New York State? I mean, hello? All right, uh, two drug traffickers. Listen to this. It's a similar story with the bail and the crime, only this one's in California, but it's the same woke policies. Two drug traffickers who were busted. This is inexcusable. This is so egregious that two drug traffickers, the two vicious, vicious criminals, they've disappeared. In California, they've disappeared. Here they were released on bail, but they never should have been released, period. I mean the bail should have been set at millions of dollars, what these, what these two men were doing. And now they're gone without a trace, and they're, you're never, they're never, ever going to be found. Two drug traffickers were busted with this huge stash of fentanyl, massive stash. Fentanyl is a very, very deadly, deadly drug. And um, they did not show up. They were released on bail, did not show up for their arraignment hearing. Well, is that, isn't that a surprise? Of course they didn't show up. They, they were released without bail. They were released um, without bail. Wow. They were actually released without bail. I take it back. I said before they were released with bail. I, 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 that, that's a mistake. Originally they had bail. Then the judge actually rescinded the bail. This is, it is so sickening. It is so despicable. What, what is going on in, in New York and California, these woke judges, this is no words. I have no words. Listen, listen to this. These two monsters, and this is in California, they were caught with 150,000 fentanyl pills during a California a tra- traffic stop, a routine traffic stop. And these men were caught with 150,000 fentanyl pills, these drug traffickers. And then they were released on no-cash bail. Defendants Jose Zendejas and Benito Madrigal, 
They were released on their own recognizance less than 24 hours after their arrest. They were scheduled to appear um, uh, on Thursday morning for their arraignments. What a shock. And what happened was there was a previous $2 million bond, but the judge withdrew. He withdrew. There was a $2 million bail set. That, that That's about right. And the judge withdrew the bail. And these two guys have vanished. They are never going to surface. They, they, they obviously should have been sitting in prison. Why would they show up in court? There's, there, there's no money. If they were losing millions of dollars, they would have shown up in court. Number one, they wouldn't have been able to post that bail. Maybe they would have because they're drug traffickers, but they would have come back. When $2 million is on the line, you come back. That's the whole point of bail. And then this woke liberal judge, who, as far as I'm concerned, has blood on his hands, he let them out for free. Why on earth would they be dumb enough to show up in court? They disappeared. They're probably out of the country. And by the way, then the Democrats go and complain about fentanyl overdoses. Well, I'm sure that they were illegally trafficked across the southern border, thanks to Biden, thanks to the open borders. And now uh, these two men are free to go and do it again. All right, as I said, Mayor Eric Adams, he says that illegals in New York City are a heavy burden. So listen very carefully to this clip. We're reaching out uh, to the federal government and stating uh, this is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, we already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated, food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our uh, our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented. Uh, translation services. There's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce, and that's why we need we need help and getting this done, and we need to write coordination to make it happen. So there you have Adams. Listen to his words. He says that it's a heavy burden. What does he mean? He means a financial burden. He's going to ask the federal government for help. The federal government is not helping him. What is he talking about? He's talking about the education costs, talking about the clothing, the food. It's very clear. Eric Adams, he looks at this as a financial burden. He doesn't care about the crime. He doesn't care about the drugs. This is an excuse. Look, look how much we're, we're, we're a sanctuary city. That's what he's saying. He, the words are very clear, and, and and that's clearly what he means. There's no question, if you listen to the words in the context, that, listen, Yes, we're a sanctuary city. Crime, drugs, homelessness. Well, we don't care about all that. If you're illegal, come to New York City. But we need more money. We need more money. We we, we can't afford it. And, and he's just using it as a pretext just to ask um, the federal government for more money. And I need to explain something very important. I want to explain something very, very important. This is a theme that you see with the Democrats again and again. These These phony, disingenuous Democrats, they use the same tactic again and again. And it, it, it's so – like and they just get away with it, and uh, it's it's egregious. Here's what they do: they take a real crisis and they somehow pretend that their woke policies will solve the crisis. So somehow, basically, any crisis that you can come up with, the solution is socialism or some sort of form of woke leftist policies is the solution to the problem. So number one, they take the crisis. Number two, they say – by the way, sometimes they create the crisis. But either way, they take the crisis. They figure out a way where somehow it's going to fit with their narrative. Right? Isn't it so obvious that they do this where whatever the – you name the crisis and whether it's going to be climate policies or gun control policies or socialism of you know handing out government money, it, somehow their policies always are the thing that fixes the crisis whether they created the crisis or did not. So – literally every crisis becomes an excuse, right? Never let a good crisis go to waste. So as an example, the surge in crime, right? What do Democrats want? They want to take away guns to 
tackle the surge in crime. The surge in crime, has, it's, it's done with illegal guns. All you're going to do is take away guns from the law-abiding citizens. Guns are not the issue. The issue is that criminals keep getting released out on out from out of jail, as we keep telling you. And these prosecutors refuse to prosecute them. They only prosecute the people who kill in self-defense. So the shootings happen because of illegal guns. Democrats want gun laws to solve the problem. It makes no sense. How about high gas prices, right? Democrats, they want everybody to buy electric vehicles. They want to switch off of fossil fuels. They want to use windmills. The Democrats keep saying, oh, if gas prices are sky high, rather than drilling, rather than incentivizing oil companies, rather than tapping into the millions of barrels that you have on U.S. soil, the United States has more oil and natural gas reserves than basically any other country on the planet. But no, they're not going to use any of that to actually – that would actually solve the problem is you produce more oil um, here in the United States. No, that's not the solution. The solution is buy electric vehicles and let's – transform to you know to, to to fossil fuels right undergo this massive transformation they keep telling us about um this major shift for 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 the sake of the climate that's somehow the, the perfect solution it's going to take years it's going to take like 10 to 20 or 30 years uh, like uh, until that actually is, is um is cost effective and doesn't cost a ton of money similar to the high gas prices buying electric vehicles and fossil fuels these are these are terrible ideas for the economy in the short term Climate change, the answer is the Green New Deal, which is basically a socialist takeover of society. Assuming that, cl- that climate change is, change is even man-made, somehow socialism is supposed to solve the problem. Go figure that one out. Poverty, homelessness, rampant drug addiction. So what do you need to do? You need to train these low-income people and minorities. You need to train them to work to support themselves. What do Democrats say? They say give them free government handouts. So what does that do? That doesn't solve the problem. That, in- that increases the problem. When you say, listen, look at all, look at all the homelessness, look at all these, these, these minorities, look at all these people who are living on government programs, addicted to drugs. So you know what we have to, have to do? We have to expand these free government handouts that we're giving them. Well, then all you're doing is you're, you're fostering it. You're basically encouraging them. Don't work. Don't work. Get addicted to alcohol and drugs. And we're just going to basically feed your addiction and feed your, you know, feed the, feed the monster and just encourage the, the vicious cycle where, well, now I'm not going to work because then the government's going to stop giving me money. Why should I work when the government's going to give me just as much money for not working? And remember the Democrats, they passed the trillions of dollars in new spending. They printed trillions of dollars in um, – they literally printed the money. They, 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 in order to pay for all these COVID relief programs and infrastructure and everything else, they, they printed trillions of dollars that we do not have. And what did that do? That made the economy worse, which we knew. They knew that would make the economy worse. Everybody knew it would make the economy worse. When you flood – when COVID was happening, there's less supply, and then you know they're incentivizing people not to work. They're paying people not to go to work, which was crazy. And then they uh, then they print these trillions of dollars and just flood the the country with all this cash. Well, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to create massive inflation. And don't believe they say they didn't know they thought it was transitory. I don't believe that for a moment. But that's the pattern. See, they created a crisis. They created that crisis because that crisis benefits. Their policies. They want to make the crisis worse because when there's an economic crisis, the Democrat policies always win. It always means more government programs, more government intervention, more shifting to, uh, you know, uh, off of fossil fuels and uh, renewable energy, as they call it. So Eric Adams, for example, keeps blaming guns instead of blaming the criminals. And same thing. Now he's saying, look, look at these illegals. They became such a heavy burden in New York City. Well, wouldn't you think you would you would disinvite the illegals? Wouldn't you think then the solution would be, well, 
let's stop being a sanctuary city because they're coming in and overrunning the homeless shelters and the soup kitchens and the schools and everything else. No, no, no problem at all. But I just need more money. I just need more money. That, uh, that's the solution. All right. Paul Pelosi. Get this. Nancy Pelosi's husband, he keeps he, – he's just so lucky because he keeps making these really, really uh, lucrative stock trades and stock investments, stock purchases, and they just happen to deal – to, 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 to relate to something that's, that, that involves Congress. But I doubt he has any inside information from Nancy, right, because that would be illegal. So Paul Pelosi, who, by the way, was recently arrested for drunk driving, he's been crushing it in the stock market. He's been making a ton of money in the stock market, and he tends to be very lucky, very so lucky. It, you know, it usually involves Congress in some way. What a coincidence. So most recently, listen to this, Paul Pelosi's impeccable timing. He made about half a million dollars a few days, several days ago, Paul Pelosi did a stock trade that made him about half a million dollars, literally overnight, and uh, or just in a few days, over the course of a few days, and it directly involved a bill in Congress. This is off of NVIDIA, a tech company, NVIDIA, which um, basically Paul Pelosi executed uh, trades of stock, of NVIDIA stock right when Congress, right at the time Congress was passing tens of billions of dollars in corporate welfare subsidies, for U.S. semiconductor production. So basically something very good for NVIDIA where the, the U.S. government, Congress was giving billions of dollars, passing uh, tens of billions of dollars in spending to pay for semiconductor production. So they're basically giving welfare to these companies because of the whole supply chain issue. So NVIDIA is basically going to be getting billions and billions of dollars to produce more semiconductors getting that money from Congress. And since that, he, he right at that time, he's, he's buying NVIDIA stocks. Since then, shares of NVIDIA rose 10%. So he pocketed half a million dollars in literally just a few days. So amazing, C- Congress helping NVIDIA. And Paul Pelosi, the husband of Nancy Pelosi, happens to benefit. And this is one area, one of the a very rare thing where I actually agree with Ocasio-Cortez, I have to confess, because Ocasio-Cortez, this... Never happens other than this one issue. But Ocasio-Cortez says that Congress people and their families should be banned from owning stocks, from buying and trading stocks. And because of this type of conflict of interest, and she's uh, 100% right, in this, in this, just in this one particular instance, one, this one time, that's it. Even a broken clock, you know. All right, um, Steny Hoyer, this is great. Steny Hoyer, the Democrat majority leader in the House, um, he refuses to say – if Joe Biden should run in 2024, he said, I'm not, he was asked, he says, I'm not going to go there. Should Joe Biden run for a second term? I'm not going to go there. This is so embarrassing. I've never seen anything this humiliating where an incumbent president, you keep, they asked Ocasio, any, any, you know, even Kamala is like kind of shaky on it, but, uh, anyone they ask, uh, any Democrat they ask, should Biden run again? Will you endorse Biden? Well, I'm not going to go there. You know, I don't, let, let's focus on 2022. Let's focus on the midterms. Trust me, if if Biden's approval were 55, 60 percent, if the border were under control, if gas were 250 a gallon, if the stock market was booming, then Steny Hoyer would go there. He would go there. He's not going there, even despite Biden's age and the cognitive issues and all of that. Steny Hoyer would gladly go there if Biden's policies were even remotely decent, if like they weren't like the biggest, most abysmal failure in, in, in presidential history. All right. I wanted to tell you about a bombshell op-ed 
that was written by a never-Trumper, one of these Republicans, but like a super moderate leftist Republican, a New York Times Republican, as I call them, like a George Will type, right? So this is Brett Stevens. Brett Stevens, who writes uh, on the op-ed page for the New York Times, he wrote a an op-ed, a bombshell op-ed, essentially like admitting that he was wrong for blasting Trump supporters, not for blasting Trump himself, but for blasting Trump supporters. And this is it's pretty astonishing. You read this op-ed and he actually really does confess and concede that he totally missed the boat, that he like, you know, he that he was really way off, totally misunderstanding Trump supporters. It bothered me so much in 2015 and 2016. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that Trump was the only candidate that I supported. Obviously, once he became the, the nominee, there was nothing to discuss, obviously. But, you know, I, I liked Mike Pence. I liked um, Rubio. And I did not like Jeb Bush for many reasons. I liked Rubio. I don't love Rubio, but I could I could deal with Rubio. Uh, certainly Ted Cruz. There were many, many Republican candidates you know, that I would have been, you know, Bobby Jindal. I don't even remember if he ran in the end, but I would have been okay with Bobby Jindal. But, um, I, 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 would, but I, I certainly thought that Trump, you know, because Trump – even though he said a lot of the right things in 2016, we still weren't sure that he was a true conservative. Obviously, we found out he's he's the most conservative president in history. Maybe, maybe Reagan, maybe is you know Reagan. They're kind of neck and neck, but I think Trump. I could prove um, pol- one policy after the next if you if you match them up that that Trump was more conservative than than Reagan even. But you know that's close enough, too close to call, right? So, but at the time you could you could make, it, but that wasn't what Brett Stevens. What I what I was bothered by, long story short, is they were saying like I heard people on both sides saying, "Oh, if you like Trump, you're a racist." I heard people that I respect. I even heard some Republicans say this: "If you like Trump, Trump is a racist. You're a racist." And it was like, what did Trump say that's racist? The fact that Trump doesn't like illegals crossing the border, he wants a travel ban. That's because it's dangerous. That's because they're stealing jobs. That's because they're committing crimes and not to mention terrorism. So that that had nothing to do with racism. I could not find a single policy where Trump supported racism. His Charlottesville comments, which obviously happened when he was president, those were taken totally out of context. So it bothered me so much. How do you look down the condescension of like, remember, I can, I can smell, it smells like Trump supporters. Remember somebody said, and then Hillary, of course, said that we're deplorables. So, like, one thing after the next, these elitists, they, like, just look down on Trump supporters, like, as though Trump supporters were, like, second-class citizens or even worse, like, vermin, like, subhuman. That's how they talked about us. Anyway, so Brett Stevens, he basically said he was wrong. He said the title of this op-ed, I was wrong about Trump supporters, back in 2015, essentially said, if you support Trump, you're bigoted, you're white trash, you're a horrible person. And now he says, I still think that Trump is all those things, which, obviously, I don't like that he's saying that I think it's pretty, uh, you know, reprehensible that he's that he's still bashing Trump. But he's saying Trump may be those things, but now I realize that I'm rich and I'm privileged. That's literally what he says in the piece. I'm rich and I'm privileged. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. I live a great life, a sheltered life. I'm very protected from a lot of the a lot of the struggles. But he says people are angry. They get stepped on by the establishment. They struggle financially. So uh, now I understand why they were all angry. But here's the story. Here's why Brett Stevens is doing this. Why is Brett Stevens doing this? He's not doing this because he did some soul searching and reflection and all of that. Brett Stevens, he's doing this because at this point, he's got nobody. There's nobody who likes him, nobody who, who, who you know, who, uh, who's on his side of things. There, there is no, he, he's, he's not part of any group. He's, he's been abandoned on all sides. He's like, now he's trying to kind of like make amends. Very clear to me. Brett Stevens is doing this for Brett Stevens because Democrats obviously can't stand him because he is conservative. He does. He's not woke. He's not a socialist. He's not even liberal. 
you know, he's a moderate. Most Republicans feel that he's a sellout. There's like a tiny sliver of never Trumpers who actually care about what Brett Stevens thinks. But we're talking about a very, very tiny, you know, very small group of people. But here's the beauty. The beauty is Brett Stevens is, is groveling to Trump voters saying you were right and I was wrong. So that's pretty epic. So, uh, you know, it took him seven years to figure it out. I mean, give me a break. Seven, it took him seven years to realize, oh, wait a second. You know what? All these people look at the struggles. They were stepped on by the establishment, the right, the left, the middle. You know, they, 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 they had to pay more and more taxes. Because of all the socialist programs, Medicaid, welfare, everything else, they, you know, they got squashed. They had to pay their own health care. They weren't helped by Obamacare. They were basically funding uh, health care for the rest of the country. So they were squ- squashed and crushed and abandoned. I mean, what took Brett Stevens seven years to figure this out? If he's living in that much of a bubble, then that is pretty sad. Now, now he decided he woke up. Oh, now I see Trump supporters are really not racist and they don't love Trump because of his nasty tweets. Trump's policies, I mean, his policies, how do you not realize this for four years if you're really a conservative, as Stevens claims to be? What could you have asked for more than Trump's policies on the economy, his tax cuts, Iran, the border, China? I mean, everything that Trump did, you know, like was so, so moving the embassy was so was so in line with everything Brett Stevens claims that he stands for. And George will. These people, they're such sellouts. They're such phonies. Like they, they, they literally showed their true colors, Liz Cheney, that they'd rather be part of the elitist establishment and part of the swamp because they don't want to be associated with a guy like Trump because of his nasty tweets, because they don't like his demeanor. And meanwhile, he did more to advance conservatism than all the other Republicans combined. And, and that's no exaggeration. You know, these liberals who like call themselves Republicans, but he's not a liberal. That's what bothers me, Brett Stevens. You know, he's he's not conservative, but he's a right-wing moderate, so Trump was the best thing that ever happened to him. But they don't like Trump's persona. All right, the DOJ is not going to prosecute crew members of the Stephen Colbert show, of course, because it's Stephen Colbert. It's the leftist media. He's a comedian, but he's still you know, very, very, very left. And uh, this, you see the hypocrisy. The, 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 these crew members of the Stephen Colbert show – they invaded the Capitol. They literally were arrested because they breached the Capitol. Does that sound familiar? So, and yet the DOJ is not going to prosecute them. Well, why not? Isn't the, the DOJ seems obsessed with prosecuting people who breached the Capitol, right? No, only Republicans who breached the Capitol. Only January sixth. So January sixth is the worst day in American history, and these people are sitting in in prison. There's dozens of people who breached the Capitol sitting in prison. But liberal Stephen Colbert. This late night host, his crew members were arrested after they roamed around the Capitol illegally. They literally did the same thing. They roamed around the Capitol illegally. They were supposed to have an escort. They refused the escort and they were warned that they're committing a crime. They were arrested and Merrick Garland and the DOJ refuses to prosecute them. Well, why would that be? Isn't, isn't that a shock? I, I thought that breaching the Capitol and roaming around the Capitol illegally, I thought that was like a threat to the Republic. That was like the worst crime imaginable. All right. More details keep surfacing about the Uvalde massacre. And we don't have time to get to it all now. I think we should spend time on, you know, one show, one episode. We should devote a lot of time to the Uvalde massacre because it was a massive breakdown in law enforcement. There's been a new report has been put out by like the Texas House of Representatives, I think, uh, the uh, Texas State House of Representatives. And um it is ugly. I mean, there were just hundreds of police officers, hundreds of police officers converging. They're in the they're in the hallway. I, I mean, one thing after the next, where they just waited so long 
to come in and they tried negotiating with this man, this uh, the shooter, and that's like against like all the rules that the protocol for the last twenty something years when it comes to an active mass shooter is you never try to negotiate, you always try to just raid and you try to just um, neutralize him as quickly as possible. And the, you have these hundreds of cops. They're waiting for orders. The man who was in charge says he didn't know he was in charge, so he didn't give the order. And uh, the, they claim the door was locked. The door was really unlocked. It, 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 it was really, really just a, a, a colossal breakdown in law enforcement at every level. Hundreds of police on the scene, nobody trying to engage or, or, or stop the active shooter, trying to negotiate. A tactic has been obsolete for decades. Nobody gave the order to breach the classroom. Here's my issue is that, look, obviously law enforcement, these people, they need to be brought to justice. They need to, you know, they need to be held accountable. They need to be culpable because it's very likely that more lives were lost than needed to be lost. It's very likely that uh, there was a lot of damage that was done and a lot of injuries and possibly deaths that, that, that could have been prevented because so many police were on the scene so quickly and yet it took them over an hour to finally – you know, uh, eliminate this man to finally neutralize this man. Meanwhile, my issue is that the Democrats refuse to focus on this. Look, you passed your gun law. You already passed your gun law thanks to Uvalde. Is it the strongest set of gun control regulations? Absolutely not. That wasn't going to happen. But the Democrats, they passed it and they said that they were happy with it as a first step. Well, now can we focus? But here's my problem is those the law they passed is not going to prevent another mass shooting. That is so incredibly clear. Um, at least there's going to be many, many people, crazy people who can obtain weapons and then carry out mass shootings if they don't figure out, solve all the other issues, such as the breakdown in law enforcement. And qual- I always say this, quality law enforcement could prevent many shootings, minimize the damage. And it- it's incredible because they let these known criminals roam free, as we talked about earlier. They let police forces be incompetent. I'm not going to give the police a pass. And why do the Democrats – Democrats don't like police, right? They want to defund police. Well, why don't they want to actually help the police improve so that this kind of thing doesn't happen again? These things can save lives, a lot more lives than taking away guns from law-abiding citizens because it doesn't jibe with the Democrat narrative. They ignore it because it does not jibe with the Democrat narrative. It, it, they don't care about preventing gun violence. It's very clear because if they did, there are so many effective ways to do it. But they don't involve banning guns. They care about taking away guns. They care about open borders. They care about installing woke DAs. Uh, they care about sanctuary cities. But the Democrats, if they cared about preventing mass shootings, there are so many effective ways they could be doing it. But those don't help their narrative, don't help the woke leftist mob. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.